0: Welcome to the Wilder Outdoors Podcast, where you'll get the inspiration and information you need to have great outdoor adventures with your family. I'm Rob, your host. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. In today's episode, I chat with Anthony Quill, and he and his wife run the blog From Tent to Takeoff. And their goal is to inspire and equip families to have really great adventures, especially in the outdoors. And personally, I've used a lot of their content as we think about planning a family trip to the Boundary Waters Canoe Area next year. So it was a real treat to sit down and chat with Anthony and hear his story, pick his brain, uh, and get some really solid tips and also some great inspirational stories for uh, how. I and you uh, can get your family into the outdoors, uh, whether it's winter, summer, spring, fall, whatever the weather, uh, they have great resources for getting your family into the outdoors. So before we get started, if you could do me a favor and subscribe to this podcast, that would be a huge help to me. And if after you listen to it, you like it, please consider giving it a good review. It does a lot to get word out about the podcast and also to uh, you know drive up the rankings on Apple Podcasts. So a good review would be super helpful. And finally, if you are not signed up for our newsletter and you would like to receive some great inspiration and information about how you can get your family into the outdoors, sign up for the Wilder Wednesday newsletter. And every week we will send you an outdoor situation to prepare for, an outdoor survival skill to learn, and some gear recommendations. And you can do that by going to www.wilderoutdooracademy.com newsletter. Again, that's wilderoutdooracademy.com slash newsletter. And so with that, let's start today's episode. Well, hi, everyone. Uh, Today with me, I have Anthony Quill, who runs and manages the From Tent to Takeoff blog with his wife. Uh, Anthony, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Tell listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, and uh, what y'all do.
1: Yeah, so we are a pretty normal family. At least we think we are. We live in Minnesota. We both work full-time jobs. Um, we're kind of living that suburban life. Um, but then kind of behind the scenes, there's a lot of adventure that we we do both as adults and as kids. And so we've spent you know a significant amount of time living and traveling overseas. And again, with and without kids. And I think when we added it up Across the family, we've been to 64 countries, um, and probably one of us has lived in maybe 10 of those. Um, And then we spend a lot of time just outside with our kids. So if we're traveling, it's always outside. We're not doing museums or any kind of anything like that. And if it's here in Minnesota, it's, you know, taking a two-year-old on a six-day boundary waters trip, or we do a lot of winter camping. And so this whole idea from tent to takeoff came about because, we started getting questions from family and friends. Like how can I get my kids outside or I'm afraid to get my kids outside or how on earth do I bring an infant on an airplane? And we kind of realized that maybe we're normal, but a little different than normal, you know, maybe maybe just a little bit off the, off the beaten path and decided that maybe we should start creating some content around this. So other parents have kind of a source or a guide so they can, you know, take their kids younger, whatever age and, Either camp in the backyard or go on a trip or go to the boundary waters or whatever it may be, but build that skill set and that confidence to do so
0: so i I was thinking about you know the number of countries you visited i've I've, I've read about that on your blog and honestly my first thought was I didn't know there were even sixty four countries <laughs> right like that's yeah. a lot of countries how did how did this all start
1: yeah so it, you know the math is it's not cheating but it's a little a little disingenuous because it's not like all four of us were there and some of the numbers are padded because you know I did a lot of independent travel early in my life and did a lot of study abroad trips and things like that um, and my wife her parents are teachers and have taught in the international school system for most of their careers um, and so she grew up as a very young kid in Saudi Arabia and um, Abu Dhabi and then spent middle and high school in Tokyo Japan And so, you know, a lot of the Asia travel that we have comes from that part of her life. And then, you know, from 2014 to 2019, so we moved when our oldest was about a month old and our youngest was born there. We lived in an island of Malta um, and did a lot of traveling in the Mediterranean. And while we were there, I worked for a small investment firm that invested in developing markets. So I did kind of a research role. So I traveled also a ton for work maybe 40, 50% of the time. Um, and so, you know, that obviously added a lot to the the, the list of 64 countries. Um, and I think as a whole family with the kids, or at least with one kid, I think it's probably 15 or 18 countries.
0: That's still a lot of countries. Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. 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 And so... I mean, I I think as, as I hear your story, right. I'm, I'm really struck by the fact that you guys probably grew up or at least your wife grew up being comfortable with traveling and with other cultures. Um, Do you, do you feel like that sort of played into your level of comfort when you started doing it with kids?
1: For sure. Um, I mean, in our mind, we have this like tent and takeoff concept, which is, you know, for a lot of people, they're very separate entities, like camping, in The boundary waters and going on a trip to Japan for most people are just so different that they don't, it's hard to see similarities. I um, mean, for us, we view them as almost the same thing, they're very similar skill sets. Um, and a lot of those skill sets are just built through experience, so, you know. And a lot of what makes either of those successful is kind of an open mind and ability to just, you know be comfortable when you don't know what's going on and you don't know what's happening the next minute or the next hour or the next day. Um, and so, you know, her having grown up in that environment and, you know, she was flying home on her own. I don't know what the age is. She'll probably correct me later, but probably middle school. Um, you know, her parents were putting on her flight in Tokyo and grandma was picking her up at the airport in Minneapolis. Um, and I, I do think you, you get comfortable as an adult and you build that skill set, and then taking that screaming infant on the plane. you know, It's not fun by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a lot easier than if you as an adult are uncomfortable with the, with the process.
0: So where did you guys meet?
1: We met in college. So we both went to Hamlin university, which is a small school here in the twin cities. Um, and we just happened to have lived in the same dorm. Um, and we joke, I think we dated for about a week. It was early that freshman year and, I think the, the, the story is I was maybe not yet mature enough for that type of relationship, um, but we stayed good friends. And she studied abroad and did her student teaching because she's an elementary school teacher in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Um, and so I kind of on a whim booked a flight, didn't have any other plan and flew down to Brazil to just hang out. It seemed like a fun time. And then before we knew it, we were getting married and having kids and starting to do this kind of stuff.
0: Wow. So did you guys travel before you had kids?
1: We did. Yeah. Quite a bit. I mean, we, it's always hard because you want to travel a ton, but you're broke, (laughs) you know, or you've got a new job or, you know, so it's like the, not everything aligns all at once, but we did make a pretty concerted effort pre kids to travel a lot. And we did, you know, us based travel. So we did a lot of rock climbing back in our, Pre kids days, when our risk tolerance was different, um, and so we would go on rock climbing trips or we'd do Boundary Waters trips or you know, I don't know we went to Belize on a two week trip pre kids and our honeymoon we spent in Guatemala for our you know quite a long time, um, and so we did do a lot but you know the more that I haven't really thought about this for a while but I think we traveled actually a lot more once we had kids.
0: Well, and that, that's what I was going to ask you about because I think you know you talk about. How, well, when you're young and you're adventurous, you're broke, but once you start to have the money to do stuff like that, well then, then you have kids. Right. And so <laughs> exactly. I, I think about, yeah. I mean, I think about my wife and I, we used to backpack a ton and just have all these big crazy adventures and we somehow we managed to do it, you know, on a shoestring budget. And then we had kids. I remember we had our, our first son and we took kind of a crazy, I mean, it was, it was car camping, so it's not that crazy, but, um, you know, we drove up onto the edge of the Mogollon Rim in Arizona and took him camping once. And then I don't think we camped again for like four years because we were like, this is, this is crazy. Like, how are we going to get this, this done? But somehow you managed to not just turn, turn things off or turn it down. You managed to turn the volume up on your travel. how, How did you do that?
1: I think we adjusted what we were doing. Um, And so a lot of our trips with kids were shorter and some of this, you know, worked well because we were based literally in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. So we could fly to Italy for in an hour to Rome. And I think it cost us, you know, 80 euros or something. So like from Minnesota that you're not going to take those kind of trips overseas at least, but we just set goals every quarter. We would do at least a long weekend somewhere, and so we weren't doing the big, expansive trips we used to do. And I still, to this day, I'm always dreaming of them, and then having to remind myself to reset my expectations because life is just different now. And the kids are older, and they're in hockey and baseball, and you know all kinds of stuff. So it's like you get other complications that make a two week trip, you know, even more difficult. Um, but we we just changed our mindset and decided, okay, so we're clearly not you know, we're going to go to the boundary waters for two weeks. Like that's not happening with a three-year-old and a five-year-old, but maybe we can do five days. And then next year we can do seven days. And then the year after that we can do nine days. And so we've, instead of casting that net very wide, like we used to and going on these big trips, we're just kind of building skills on top of skills, going to similar places over and over again, um, shortening duration and, and just trying to squeeze it in, Given the circumstances that we have,
0: yeah, I, I love that, and um, and we'll we'll talk about it later. But your blog has been so helpful as my family tries to figure out how to to you know get out into the wilderness more um, with some of those bigger adventures. So, uh, like I said, you know we'll we'll chat about that in a bit. But it was interesting to hear your um, you know how you said that. Well, you know when when you were in Malta, you could travel to a lot more places, you know on a budget quickly, but now you're back in the States. Um, What, what has that been like?
1: Yeah. So we moved back 2019 and moved to a side of, you know, part of the state we're not from COVID hit. So obviously we didn't travel at all. And that was hard. You know, we went from this life that was just, you know, 24 seven fun and adventure to literally sitting in our house, wondering how we're going to keep these kids occupied. And you know, since then, we've done a lot more, um, I'd say local travel or more camping and, and those type of adventures, um, in part because being based here, it's just a little easier to do a long weekend up on the North Shore of Minnesota than it is to travel to Central America. Um, and so again, we've kind of taken the circumstances that we're in. We've adjusted our mindset yet again and said, okay, you know, that that phase of just, you know, ticking countries off the list is probably gone for a little while. Um, just logistically, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, one of those trips with our kids, you know, you're going to spend five ten thousand $10,000 easily, even if you, you know, do it bare bones, like, you know, which is kind of our style. And so we're like, okay, so what else can we do? And so we started going to this thing called the winter camping symposium at a friend's recommendation. Um, and we've slowly been learning how to Winter camp, And so we've got one of those white canvas tents. Now we've got a stove in it. And so when we want a long weekend in the winter, now we've got another option, which is just go camping and that, you know, the tent's not cheap, but everything else is free. Um, and so we can just kind of duck and weave and find some other way that we can be outside and active with the kids and, and trying new things.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think what I, I love about what I'm hearing you know, in your story there is that you, you seek out interesting or helpful resources for this stuff. Cause I think for a lot of people, it seems, it just seems overwhelming, right? Like a few nights ago I was sitting up in bed and I literally just went and read your blog to help solve the problem. To be honest, I was sitting in bed thinking, how am I going to fit three kids and two people in a canoe? (laughs) Right. And I was thinking like, it's all on me. Cause we, we want to do a a boundary waters trip next year. All, you know, two, two of our three kids can swim. Yep. And, uh, you know, we were thinking about it and I was sitting in bed thinking like, oh my gosh, this is up to me to solve. But like, at the end of the day, it's, it's really not if I go find some good resources. So like, I think I I really appreciate the fact that you have gone out and, and done that and accessed resources and accessed friends and found these interesting small communities. Um, You know, what are some other resources that you've tapped into, you know, as, as you've tried to figure out how to have these kinds of adventures with kids?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we've, you know, I scour Facebook groups quite often um, and I'm always a little hesitant. Sometimes the, the quality of advice isn't, perfect, but it often at least gets rid of that kind of like white sheet of paper syndrome where you just have no idea where to start. Um, and so there's like, you know, thinking of Boundary Waters in particular, there's a Boundary Waters Facebook group, um, and it's definitely more adult focused. Um, and that's one thing we've actually thought about is, is there enough interest in taking kids into the Boundary Waters that maybe you know, starting and moderating a family focused Boundary Waters group? Um it might be worth the time and might help other families find that information a little quicker. Um, And there's a winter camping group that has a bunch of old timers that, you know, are a little little crusty, but are always willing to answer our questions um, when we have them. And there's still like a lot of proper, you know, periodicals or publications out there. And a lot of these kind of niche topics that are also pretty helpful. So there's the Boundary Waters Journal to stay on that kind of niche that, I wouldn't say is like the best writing in the world, but it's very helpful when you're starting to think through, you know, how am I going to bring these three kids out there? Like, what does it even look like when you've got, you know, two adults, three kids and all that stuff in one canoe. Uh, Mm -hmm. And for us, that's been great. And, you know, the other side of it is we try to surround ourselves with people that share similar, you know, goals and objectives. And so we we actively are searching for friends that n- might not live close to us, but that do the same things or similar things so that we can just call them up and say, hey, how do you do this? Like, you know, what, how How would you solve this problem? And you can a- just ask them directly because, like, to your point, that a lot of the information is out there. It's just not well organized. It's sometimes just almost impossible to find, um, which can be frustrating when you're already anxious and nervous about, you know, doing something, whether it's traveling, going on the wilderness, whatever it may be with young kids.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And so I'm curious, you know, you, you have a ton of experience and through your writing, you know, you do, you are positioned as an expert in a lot of ways, but I'm curious, what are some of the the things that you are working through right now as things you'd like to, to grow in or to, to maybe solve as the problems for next year?
1: Yeah. So right now, I think it's probably seasonal, but my mind's very much set in this winter camping world. Um, and so we've done some nights in our backyard with the kids. And one night it got down to 10 below or something. And we did just fine. Our gear is not great, but it was enough to keep us all warm and, and have an enjoyable experience. But I've really got my mind um, taking the kids on a proper, like where we pull the toboggan, snowshoes, you know, up in the boundary water somewhere and mm-hmm. go in, not far, but going just in a lake. In um, camp in the winter. And that's where, you know, and part of it's through the Winter Camping Symposium and a lot of the friends we've met along the way, I've kind of realized, like, our gear is not, you know, <laughs> really ready for it. Like, we're, I don't know, we're halfway there, maybe. <clears throat> but I'm also realizing, like, I don't have that skill set myself. I'm a little nervous about going in case something happens. Um, And so one way we're trying to solve that is maybe you know, finding a couple of the folks from that community that are going to go on a trip and saying, Hey, can we tag along for day one? You know, or can we, can we join for a little bit of it? So we can just see, how do you pack? How do you pull your toboggan? What do you do if you get wet feet? You know, how are you setting up your tent? Where are you sending, setting up your tent? Like all those things that, um, I think we could figure out, but I, I don't really want to figure those out with both kids along, you know, yelling at me, yeah cold and, it's windy and can't find firewood or whatever it may be.
0: <clears throat> mhm. Yeah, and I well, you know, for, for folks who may not be familiar, not not all the listeners are, are from Minnesota. What tell us a little bit about what the boundary waters are.
1: Yeah, the boundary waters is this kind of northern northeastern corner of Minnesota. Um, and it's one of the few true wilderness areas left in the United States. You know, it's really you know, for you know, all intents and purposes, pristine wilderness area, and it's a, oh, a you know, whole connection of lakes and rivers. And so the style of camping is very different. So in the summer, this is canoe-based, so not kayak, but you know open canoes, um, like the old Voyager style, where you're carrying your packs, you go in, there's no cell service, there's no help, there's no anything. Um, you go to a campsite, they are pre-designated on the U.S. side. Um, on the Canadian side, they are not. Um, they do have a latrine, which is just a toilet seat and a hole in the ground. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, it's about as close to true wilderness as you can get. Um, and that's why we, we really like it because, you know, you, you can put in as much effort as you want, but if you work hard, you can really get to the point where you won't see another person. Um, which is for me, just my best feeling, but also as a parent and having kids out there, you know, we've been caught in some storms that were, a little scary. Um, and it makes you realize that, okay, I can do the basics. I I think I've got this down, but then there's this whole other side of like, what happens if someone gets hurt, like really hurt. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and you don't have a real exit other than, you know, I guess you can call on a float plane if you've got an emergency locator, but you know, you're, you're really on your own, um, which is I think exciting and, you know, a little scary.
0: Yeah, I mean I'll I'll say I've had some of the most amazing and the the weirdest experiences of my life in in the boundary waters. I I mean, I haven't been there a ton especially with kids, but uh, the last time my wife and I went all in the same day, I caught a pike that had had it looked like an eagle had ripped part of its back out. <laughs> Uh, We saw like 10,000 year old pictographs and I, I kid you not, my wife always gives me a hard time, but she was there too. We saw a UFO (laughs) in the boundary waters. Yeah, Yeah. It was, it was a trip.
1: And it's, I don't remember the exact term or certification, but it's one of these like clear night sky designated areas where it, it has the clearest view of everything beyond earth. You know, probably that you have definitely in the Midwest but in the U S so it's, you go out there on a clear night and it's, you know, it helps you kind of remember what's really out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the things that I really like about your family is you guys sort of pick a, you know, pick a lane, but, uh, you pick a, a, almost like a project, right. And you, you go deep every year a little bit more and a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've, I've obviously leaned on you for some of your boundary water stuff, but at some point you weren't a boundary waters expert with kids. What was that first trip like?
1: My first trip was back in high school with the boy scouts. Um, and so I was a lot wilder then, like, I don't remember a ton about it, but I had no clue what I was doing. I remember our troop was run by an old, uh, Vietnam vet military guy. And so it was, a uh, You know, bootstrapped together, low-budget affair, kind of crummy gear, and two adults and seven, you know, 15-, 60-year-old boys out in the woods. And that's really what got me hooked on this because, you know, I grew up grandparents farmed. I spent a lot of time outdoors. I hunted. I fished. But I didn't grow up with this backcountry wilderness experience that was you know it wasn't something my family really did they did other outdoor stuff but not this and so the scouts introduced it to me and i did it for a couple years then i went to college and honestly i think i took 10 years off of anything outdoors i just was trying to finish college and i was trying to get a job and i was trying to you know turn that job into something that i enjoyed um, and it was when I went, met my wife, we started going back again. And then I think that's when we really started build, building the skills because we were on our own. We had to figure it out. Um, she had gone before as a kid. So we both had at least basic, basic skills and a little gear, you know, our, back then I think we bought some old Duluth packs off of you know, Facebook marketplace for probably 10 bucks each. And I was always afraid that, you know, I was going to go on one portage and the, straps were going to snap and we'd be dragging those things through the, <laughs> the woods for the next you know, five days. Um, but it's changed a lot since then. We've thankfully, our, our skills are much better. Um, our gear every year, we try to get one or two things that make life easier. Um, that first trip we took the kids on, we had one of those old aluminum canoes, mm-hmm. um, which are super heavy. We had all old junky gear the kids just sat in the bottom with like bags stacked all around them or sat on the bags. Cause we just had nowhere to put them. Um, <laughs> and so we did eventually upgrade to a nice Kevlar canoe that's longer, but it's got a third seat. So both kids can sit by each other and, you know, have a little space to themselves.
0: I think for a lot of folks who started doing outdoors stuff before they had kids, there's at least like, a foundational knowledge to work from, right? Cause you can, yep. you can work from what you have and sort of build your kids into it, fold them in. But yep. I meet a lot of people who I think, especially as their kids get older, they realize that, you know, that maybe that kind of adventure is missing from their kids' lives and they want to get it in. But now they have sort of two challenges, which is one, they have to get themselves up to speed and then two, they yep. have to do it, you know, with kids. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts or ideas for how folks can sort of overcome that hurdle?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it sounds silly, but just start in your backyard or if you don't have a backyard, like a local park that allows it, you know? So when we've got new gear and I'm sure our neighbors just think we're nuts, but we just set it up sometimes in the front yard. Um, and we play with it. And so this winter camping is a great example, I think, because it's something neither of us ever did. So to your point, this is something we have basic outdoor skills, but we started this winter camping bit when, you know, kids were probably five and seven or something like that. So we were coming in with no knowledge. We had kids. Winter is also, you know, a unique time in Minnesota. It can be 30 below and windy. Um, and so we bought this tent and then we've got just a little, I don't know, quarter acre, not even wooded area behind our house down by a pond. And we set that tent up for almost the whole winter. Um, and so it gave us, you know, a chance to play around with it, understand how the stove worked, test out our sleeping gear to see and, you know, what what do we need to add to it to stay warm at those colder temperatures and how, you know, what happens if it gets windy in that tent? Like, do I have it staked down well enough or, you know, are we going to find that it collapses in on us at the wrong time? Um, and so that's how I would start, especially if the kids are younger, they'll think it's fun. If the kids are older, it's a different challenge because, you know, they need, They need something else, but you as parents, you can, you can test out your skills. And I think for, like, if you got really young kids, the sleeping is hard for them. Um, So like when we first got the kids mummy bags, so sleeping bags that, you know, really zip down and, you know, you're a little constricted in them. We threw them in their bed and they slept in those sleeping bags for months, just as their blankets, just getting used to them. Half the time they run zipped, but it's like, they just got accustomed to that feeling so that then when we're out and they actually need to have it zipped up around their face um, and have that feeling where you're like trapped in there and you can't get out, um, they were kind of ready for it.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, sort of like, I don't know, thinking, you knowing your wife's an, an educator, right? You're sort of scaffolding yeah. it in. Yeah. You're, you're building them up to where, where they can, can go or where they need to be.
1: Yeah, and we did that these, you know, the Boundary Waters trips too, so that's a, a little different because we had – we had skills going into that. We weren't starting um, with nothing, but we've taken the kids on the outside of one kind of off season trip. We've taken them on the same trip every year. So the first year or from the same entry point. So the same lake that we started on the first year, I think it was a five day, four nights. And we just kind of just, we had multiple routes we would choose depending on as we were going, how we saw the kids behaving. You know, if they were, having a blast and we felt they were ready, we could extend it. Or if like we could tell it was too much of a challenge for them, we could just stop and, you know, base camp for that whole time. And each year we just have extended that trip. And now we're at the point that we take them on the same trip as if, you know, I was going to say, you and your wife should join just me and my wife. It would be the same trip. They work just as hard. They cover the same amount of distance that adults would. Um, But we didn't jump right in there. You know, we really eased them in and we watched them and, and paid very close attention to what they were ready for, how they were feeling. You know, only traveled on days that we felt that they were, you know, in the right headspace to do so um, mm-hmm. and always built positive experiences. So, Boundary Waters can have very erratic weather. Um, and I think the first two or the first and the third maybe trips, we left a day early on both because we bring a weather radio. Um, bad weather was coming in and we we're like, we don't want to take a good positive experience and end it on what can be very scary up there. Um, so mm-hmm. those trips, we just bailed early um, for us. It wasn't like a failure or anything like that. It was just a kind of prudent decision and went into town, into Duluth or something like that, grabbed a hotel for a night. Kids got to swim in the pool. They thought it was the greatest thing ever. Um, and they were excited for the next year.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I am. Um... I I, th- I think I, I, I especially hear you about the the need to do it when they're young and scaffolding more and more I have a friend right now who oh um, well, that we have friends they're a couple friend right and they've got some really wonderful kids they're a wonderful family but they are very much city folks yeah and the kids started reading some books through school about like, I don't, I don't know what the books are, but where the main character has to survive in the woods. And now those kids are like dead set on just moving to the mountains and living off the land. Yeah. And I keep having to tell the parents like, no, just, just like have them start a fire exactly. Yep, <laughs> and yeah. spend one night outside, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, yep. And they can do that. I mean, they don't even need a tent if they don't want to, but you know, even just at that age, sleeping in a tent, they're probably going to get scared because all of a sudden you're just out there and you hear things you're not used to hearing and um, you know, things like that. But you know, if you have kids that are middle school or older and all of a sudden this fire starts burning, like, especially in Minnesota, and I can only speak to what I know, but there are a ton of great YMCA, YMCA camps in the Northern part of the state that run a program that's a little different than what you'd find in the cities. And so, you know, some of them, train like expedition style canoeing and, and tripping. And so if you really want to learn those, um, outdoor skills, but you're, you know, you're just too old to want to you know, stay in the backyard with your parents. Like that's another great option. Um, I know that I can't remember the names. There's one on Grand Marais, one out of Ely that you can, you can each summer build that skill set from people that are really highly qualified, um, and excited to teach it
0: hmm. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to put some links to that in the show notes. Um, yeah. If you if you have those, please send them my way.
1: Yep, I can.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's talk about nuts and bolts, right? Because I think the biggest barrier beyond fear of, you know, something terrible happening with, you know, with our kids is, is the logistics, right? And you mentioned that both you and your wife work like you, you work nine to five jobs. So yep. You know, what, well, first of all, I guess, what does a typical year look like for you now, now that you're in the States post COVID in terms of travel and adventure?
1: Yeah. So we do probably only, at least now we've done one true kind of bigger international trip each year. Um, so we do one of those. We do our big week long kind of eight to 10 day boundary waters trip every June. Um, and we go down and see our my in-laws, her parents and family down in Tucson, Arizona over spring break. So those are kind of our, our core trips every year. Two are the same, one one's different. But even at that, when we go to Tucson, every year we're doing different hikes, we're going to different places, we're doing different things. Um, we're, you know, trying to see as much of it as we can, and we've been going for 20 years, and we still find new and exciting things to do. Um, and then we'll usually do over New Year's when we both can get some time off. So we're kind of stuck on the school schedule because she's a teacher. Um, we usually go up by to you know, somewhere on the North Shore, usually Ely, Minnesota. We'll rent a rustic cabin, which means, you know, there might be solar electricity and a wood-burning stove or something. That's all it has. And we'll stay there for three or four nights. Um, and then we'll do just normal weekends, like get off work early and go camping at a state park somewhere relatively close by and that's kind of mm. it which you know that once I verbalize it actually does sound like quite a bit um, so <laughs> you know, in my mind I'm always like there's never enough I want more and more and more and more but as I listed out that's actually probably a good good amount for a, a family that's you know doing other stuff the kids are in sports and they're doing all normal kids stuff like we're not a you know not one of these strange families that you know restrict them to just you know hanging out in the woods um, and mm-hmm. you know, we both coach their sports. We're both very involved in the community. So it's, you know, time is, is limited, but yeah, we do, we anchor on these big trips, one new, different one each year. And then the camping's really where we can be a bit more flexible because we do a lot of hiking or canoe in campsites. And a lot of times they're not pre-booked and there's some great state parks within a two, two and a half hour drive of the twin cities. Um, and that's where we can fill in the holes when we, you know, sometimes even the kids will say, like, I feel like I just want to get out of the city. Like, I just, I want to have some freedom and some space to roam. Then we'll just book a weekend and go.
0: How cool that you're raising kids that say that. Like, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's at least, we haven't screwed it up then. That's a step in the right direction.
0: <laughs> so like, what does the planning process look like then? Right. So I, I get that you have these big trips that happen regularly. Yeah. Um, but the the shorter weekend trips I know can be like the, the planning side of it can be a barrier, right? Because sometimes like Saturday just shows up and you go, Oh my gosh, well, what are we going to do? Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we're planning at least a week out. Um, and again, this comes with skill and experience, but you know, our garage is organized in all these blue Rubbermaid bins of all of our camping gear and, and other junk. Um, and I'd say the one thing that makes it really easy for us And this isn't a knock-on camping styles, and I don't want it to sound, you know, disparaging to anyone, but we prefer a very simple um, style of camping, which is very, you know, very close to what a backpacker would bring. And so even when we're bringing the kids and we're going just to a state park, we're not bringing that much stuff. And I think that's what makes a lot of this work. And it's the same international travel, whatever it is, you know, I think some people would be shocked at how little we bring. But the flip side to that is, A, we can pack really quick. You know, we can be ready for a week-long boundary Waters trip in a day, maybe less. I can have the gear packed in a couple hours. Um, But less can go wrong. You know, when you've got a lot of stuff around camp or you're, like, trying to pack the car, the likelihood of you forgetting something is huge. Um, When you have less stuff and you have a process around it and you have a system in place – and, you know, we have like a Google spreadsheet with like, if we're going on a short camping trip, here's the list. If we're going on a long camping trip, here's the list. Then you're kind of just pulling stuff off the shelf, shoving it in a bag and throwing it in the truck. Um, and it's not that we, we don't forget things like, you know, I, I forgot the tent once last year. That was not great. Um, so those things do happen, but I think it's, you know, happens less often just because we, we have a process and we, we keep it simple.
0: So do you, by chance, watch Bluey, the show Bluey? Yes. Okay, Bluey. so... I, I
1: think it's hilarious.
0: <laughs> I love it. I, I always feel like a worse dad and inspired to be a better dad just because of how engaged the parents
1: are. But, yeah, I, yep. you know,
0: have you seen the pool episode? I haven't. Okay, so for, for listeners, there's there's an episode where um, it's the dad's day with the kids, and the dad is just super adventurous and like, all right, kids, let's just go to the pool. And they just go and it's amazing. And everyone's like, dad's the best. Right. And then it becomes like apparent really quickly that he didn't bring any of the things that make the pool safe or fun. <laughs> and then, you know, like mom eventually comes in to save the day with her role as like the planner. But you know, what I think <clears throat> is, is really great is that you guys have worked together to sort of pare down your gear to the essential, you know, items for your family. What would you say are the essentials if you're going to go do a trip like that on the weekend?
1: Yeah. So our camp kit. So if you ignore food, you know, we're going to have an inflatable sleeping mat for everyone, sleeping bag, tent, and that's and a small tent. It's a four person, very lightweight tent. Um, cook gear. We'll bring a jet, a small jet boil system for boiling water because we'll do, you know, oatmeal or things like that, or tea or whatever it is. Um, and we'll bring one cast aluminum pan. We will bring two bowls, so we don't even each get a bowl. We get two bowls. So There's four spoons. You know, we eat everything out of there. There's a couple of cups and a little camp soap. I'm trying to think, and that's that's literally the the cook. Kit right there. A um, couple pocket knives. Um, each of the kids bring their own survival bag. And so, and they've kind of built this up again, just layering it in, um, taking little classes. But they've each got a bag with a tarp and uh, knives in it, and fire starters and things like that. And so, I've got a little mesh bag that's got knives, pliers, a um, couple different ways to start a fire. I usually always keep some dry tinder and kindling in there just in case we show up and it's, you know, it's raining and it's hard to start a fire. The fire always feels nice.
0: That's awesome. So That's you said it. that there were, you said there were classes that they took to learn how to do that. I'm curious about that.
1: Yeah. So we go to this, the winter camping symposium over MEA weekend every year, and it's really geared towards winter camping. Um, and one of the things they started a couple of years ago was, a uh, on Saturdays, a youth program, um, uh, And it's run by a couple that also runs the Azen Lodge in Wisconsin, which does a lot of kind of more primitive living skills type things. Um, And so they put this wonderful program together. um, And the kids learn each year something about knife safety. So they usually get a knife and then they learn how to safely use it, handle it, store it, and all that. Um, How to build a fire. So each year they learn how to build a fire with different tools and materials and how to cook over it. So one year they did kebabs one year they did kind of a old boy scout kind of tinfoil dinners. Um, one year they built a shelter. So they got a tarp to keep this year. They build a, a toboggan, like a pulling toboggan. So if you're going winter camping, you got that toboggan on ropes that you pull. Um, and so each year they kind of, they learn that stuff. We teach them stuff in camp. Um, And they've just slowly built these little kits. And each year we add to it. So they have those, excuse me, you know, thin emergency blankets now. And, you know, they too carry kindling and things like that. So they they each have a little pack that they bring that we've actually used the stuff. So when we went camping and I forgot the tent, we decided we're going to make it work and built a shelter with my tarp that I always bring um, and use theirs as the ground cloth and threw our stuff down and had a great time.
0: That's so cool. So I definitely need to get out to the winter camping symposium next year for sure.
1: It's an amazing place. It's a really fun group of people and uh, the organizers have been really working hard on getting more kids and families involved Um, because you can imagine that crowd. It's really a lot of old men um, originally and they've just done a phenomenal job of making it more accessible for people that maybe have no idea even what winter camping is but they want to experience it. So you can stay at a cabin at the YMCA where it's hosted, um, Mm -hmm. and get a little feel for what kind of crazy people do in the winter around here.
0: So, all right, last, last thing. So imagine you're talking to my, my friends that I mentioned before, and I will, I will let them know to listen to this episode specifically. Uh, you know, you've got a kid that's interested in the outdoors. You have sort of this itch to get out there with your kids, but you're You're just struggling to to pull the trigger make make the case for why we should live a life of adventure, traveling, spending time in the outdoors with our
1: kids yeah I mean i philosophically, I think it's what we're meant to do. I think it's deep in our bones in our DNA this idea of kind of wandering and traveling and experience in the world, so I think just whether you're a city person or you like playing video games or whatever it is. I think deep down, we still share that same drive. It's just kind of been kind of hidden or stuffed away for a lot of people. Um, but as a parent, I guess first as the parent, I notice when when we do something, whether it's camping, a you know, big trip, short trip, you know, one of our international ones, I always feel better afterwards. Like a lot of the daily stresses that I think I just let bake in my mind over and over again, because that's just kind of the type of person I am. They kind of go away and I come back more ready to deal with normal life. And my logic is if that applies to an adult, it definitely applies to little kids. They don't vocalize it. They don't have the language for it yet. They don't really know what's going on, but I notice it in our kids that their behavior once you get home is better. You know, they're more patient. They're more understanding. They're happier. Um, and so I think, you know, if you got a kid that's even showing an ounce of interest, you know, find a way to take that first step. It doesn't have to be big. You know, it can just be going cross-country skiing or something locally. Like it doesn't have to be a huge endeavor. Um, but if you got the spark, you better start that fire while you got the chance.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. All right. So Anthony, if people would like to follow you, find out more about you and what you do, where can they go?
1: Yep. So it's From Tent to Takeoff on Instagram, From Tent to Takeoff on Facebook, um, or uh, our blog, our website is www.fromtenttotakeoff.com. So same handle, same everything. It's out there.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, Anthony, thank you so much. This has been fun.
1: Yep. I appreciate the time, Rob. Thank you.